Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching a special New Year's message, so grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. I know that it's hard. I know that it's difficult. Don't quit. The reward is worth it. And the finish line is not too much far ahead. Keep on going and finish well. This is what we have to do as Christians in 2018. You know, I got this sermon actually on Wednesday night. If you were with us on Wednesday night and Pastor Tim taught and did a fantastic job. And and after he taught, I came up just to have a few words before we left. And, And I was talking about Wednesday, remember? I was talking about finishing well. Finishing well. And my goodness, Christians, if we could just focus on finishing well. What do you mean by finish? What do you mean, Pastor? What do you mean? Finish well. Meaning, whenever the Lord decides to take you home, whether it's before the rapture or at the rapture, wherever he decides to take you home, you will hear, well done, my good and faithful servant. Isn't this what we all want to hear? I wait while you clap your hands there. Isn't that what we all want to hear? Finish well. And the Bible, listen to me, is replete with people who started well, but they didn't finish well. King Saul, Solomon, Judas, Ananias, and Sapphira. 2 Timothy 4.10, Paul says, Demas, who loved this present world, he didn't finish well. You know, I've been pastoring this church for 22 years, as many of you know. And I've seen people start well, but they don't finish well. They started serving God and loving God, but then they met someone. I've seen that. They came here, they were single. And when they were single, they were loving God and serving God. And they, they were loving Jesus and getting the church on time for worship. And because and, and, that's big. Getting the church on time for worship and loving the Lord. And, and they met somebody. And they stopped coming to church so much. Because we're dating now. And things start getting in the way. They don't finish well. Uh, You know, uh, you start a Bible study. Happens all the time. Men's study starts. There'll be 100 men there. Give it about three, four, five months. It's half of that. Women's study, same thing. We start well, but we don't finish well. We don't finish well. And somehow we, we, we get tired Of serving God. We get tired of doing the same thing the same way. When in fact doing the same thing the same way is the only way for you to become the Christian man or woman that you are asking God to become. It's a long obedience in the same direction. Y'all ain't hear me. It's a long obedience in the same direction. So we start well. 
And then we don't finish well or we become apathetic and we lose their, our taste for the things of God. I'm sitting in my study yesterday. I can't get away from this. The book of Haggai. The book of Haggai. Haggai. Get your pen. Just real quick. We're moving. I'm going to do this. Haggai is the second shortest book in the Bible. 38 verses, 1,131 words. It's a short but powerful book. And it's a book about apathy, actually. And if you know the book of Haggai, Calvary, if you've been around here, you do know. In Haggai, let me tell you, let me have your attention. Look at me, please, please, please. In Haggai, the people returned from Babylonian captivity after 70 years. And King Cyrus of Persia issued a decree allowing them to go back home and rebuild the city and rebuild the temple. And it was two years later in 536 B.C. that the first group, there were three deportations. The first group led by Zerubbabel, 50,000 Jews pack it up and they went home. Zerubbabel was a political leader and Joshua was a spiritual leader. And Haggai is a prophet and he's the first prophet to speak post-captivity or post-exile prophet. The post-exile prophets are Haggai, Zechariah, Malachi, and John the Baptist. Although we go in the New Testament, we think, oh, that's, that's the New Testament. No, it's still the Old Testament. Haggai, Zechariah, Malachi, and John the Baptist are the post-exile prophets. Jesus said John the Baptist was in Matthew eleven thirty one. So there in Haggai chapter one, look, that's your homework. Okay. Chapter one in Haggai, the people are back in the land. And the first thing they do is build an altar and they get back to worship. Listen, are you listening? And the second thing that they do is lay the foundation to the new temple. The people were excited and they start giving money to the building project. Everybody's excited. The priests are playing instruments. When the saints go marching in, they're all excited. They sang and they danced. And there's shouts of joy and celebration. But unfortunately, their neighbors, the Samaritans, didn't like the building project. And they gave them a hard time. So the people stopped working on the temple and they left. Watch this. We're talking about apathy. And they left the things of God and they started working on their own houses. And for the next 14 years, God's house was neglected. For the next 14 years, weeds began to grow over the temple and it became a constant reminder to the people of their messed up priorities. And they became apathetic. So after 14 years, get this, God told Haggai to tell Zerubbabel and Joshua and the people that enough is enough of you doing your own thing. Let's get down to God's business. For 14 years, the job was still unfinished. And they were saying that it's, you know, the time hasn't come to build the house of God. The time hasn't come to be about the things of God. And God said, really? Is it time for you to live in your paneled houses and the temple lie in ruins? Chapter one, verse four, look it up in your own time. And don't misunderstand me. God isn't saying if you got a nice house, he's got a problem with that. God likes nice houses. He has a nice house. Say amen. Trust me, I read the Bible. Say amen. 
He has a nice house. In my father's house are many mansions. One saw I wouldn't have told you. He'd been building that house for 2,000 years. Can you imagine what it looked like? God is in a nice house. God likes nice houses. I like nice houses. If you have a nice house, invite me over. Everybody likes nice houses. God didn't have a problem with nice houses. God said to them, you have your nice paneled house as if you're stuck in the 70s. Remember panel houses in the 70s? He's not saying you that they were condemned. God is trying to get them to look at their priorities. God is saying, wait a minute. You have time and money to panel your house. You got time and money to do a room addition and, and, and decorate, but you have no time to do what I called you to do. You see, they were getting their priorities all messed up and making excuses for what they and why they couldn't serve God. You know, somebody once said, when you get good at making excuses, that's all you're good for. You would write that down. You get good at excuses, that's all you're good for. Here's a really interesting verse for you in Proverbs chapter 22, verse 13. Listen to this verse. The lazy man says, there is a lion outside. I shall be slain in the streets. This was the lazy man's way of saying, hey, I can't go out and get a job because there's a big lion outside. Or I can't go out and get a job because somebody might call and I might miss the call. <laughs> Y'all ain't following me, are you? That's a lazy man's way of saying it. Or I can't serve in ministry because God wants me to focus on the family. I'm family first. I can't do anything but God because family first. I mean, hey, God wants me to minister to my wife and my kids. I mean, I've got to be there to minister to my family. My wife needs me to help cut the potatoes at dinner. Or help with the kids. Got to focus on the family. Listen. Yes, we do have to focus on the family, but Christians, we have become good at putting a religious spin on spiritual apathy. I know I'm right about it. You don't have to say amen. We become really good at being apathetic concerning the things of God. Saints, listen, in 2018, don't let your priorities get out of order. Keep Christ first in everything. And don't allow your kids to get involved in sports that take them away from church. Nothing wrong with sports. Don't get me wrong. Please don't you go out and tell nobody, Pastor Mike, don't like nobody kids in sports. I didn't say that. What I'm saying is that what happens too often... Kids need to be involved in sports. Let me say it that way. They need to be doing something. They need to be playing an instrument, teach them the gazoo, uh, the, 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 the xylophone, teach them something because they need something to occupy that mind. Otherwise, they're going to drive you crazy. Say amen, parents. And y'all going to drive me crazy. Amen. They need to be involved in something. But here's where the problem comes in. When, and it does seem a little bit spiritually timely almost, that they seem to have the practices on Wednesday night when most Christian churches have Bible study between 6 and 8 p.m. or we got practice or we got rehearsal at that time or on Sundays we got to be out of town. 
And what happens is you begin to erode at the spiritual fabric of your family when you take them out of the things of God. There's nothing wrong with any of these things. God help me. There's nothing wrong with any of these things. I'm just saying don't allow those things to remove you from the things of God because your first priority and your 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 first attention should be toward the things of God, should be the priority of knowing God and bringing your family to God. Am I not right about it? Am I right about it? It's bringing your family to God. I know families whose sports activities preclude them from coming to church. That is very unfortunate. Now, as I said earlier, the Bible is replete with people who started well, but they didn't finish well. But listen, the Bible is also replete with people who finished well, who did finish well. There's David who committed adultery and murder, and he finished There's Job who suffered so much and he finished. There's John the Baptist who was weird. Yes. And he finished. John Mark the quitter. He finished well. Mary the prostitute. She finished well. Rahab the prostitute. She finished well. Stephen who was stoned to death. He finished well. Let's bring it forward. There's William Carey the missionary. Not Pastor William Carey like the Robert Curie boys. Right. We enjoyed them Wednesday night, didn't we? We enjoyed them Wednesday night. Not Pastor William Carey. Because he's still alive. Amen. But William Carey, the missionary, he finished well. Jonathan Edwards got kicked out of his church. He finished well. Mary Slessor. S-L-E-S-S-O-R. Mary Slessor. Who's that? Well, she was a Scottish missionary to Nigeria and she did mission work in Africa promoting women's rights, who, and her face is on the banknote issued in Scotland. She finished well. And then Amy Carmichael, missionary to India, she finished well. And Paul, who served God as a single man, he finished well. You can, you can be single and finish well. Y'all must be asleep. You can be single and finish well. Paul finished well. And listen, by the power of God and by faith and and, and whatever you're going through, listen, you can finish well. And I can finish well. And we can all finish well because it's not by might, it's nor by power, but it's by God's spirit that we will finish well. Somebody say amen and clap your hands there, will you? And if you're going to finish well, pray for me. If you're going to finish well, look at verse 1. You got to lay aside every sin and weight that so easily ensnares us. The word weight, got your pen, applies to unnecessary body weight or body fat. Unnecessary body weight or body fat. In the Greek games, they would torture themselves to reduce BMI. The word weight also applies to unnecessary articles or items. Now, some things, saints, listen, are weights. And some, notice the Bible says every sin. Are y'all listening to me this morning? Okay, all right. Notice the Bible says every sin and every weight, or every weight and every sin. Some things are weights and some things are sins. A weight isn't necessarily a sin or wrong. A weight is anything that's hampering or hindering or impeding your process. A weight is anything that's holding you back from running the race freely. So anything can be a weight, it could be a friendship. 
It could be a, a toxic relationship. It could be a habit, could be a weight. A pleasure could be a weight. Entertainment could be a weight. What you're carrying around in your smartphone can be a weight. The music you constantly listen to can be a weight. Listen to me. The music you constantly listen the music today is awful. Now, you know I'm going to preach about it. I know you might not like it, but I'm going to say it anyway. It's awful. It's terrible. Parents don't allow it in your home. It's evil. It's wrong. It's demeaning. It's misogynist. It's everything that doesn't represent what God would have us to be putting into our ears. It's terrible. And listening to that can be a, look, I don't care what nobody's saying. You can say what you want. Music has an influence over people. Satan was the first worship leader. He was kicked out of heaven because he thought he could be greater than God. And he perverted worship. Music is very, very influential. It can be a weight. Weights are things that are holding you back from fully laying a hold of Jesus. The Bible says, cast off, look at your Bibles, cast off, lay aside, fling aside anything that's hindering you from running freely and reaching the finish line unencumbered. Now, in the Greek culture, listen to me, they completely understood this picture. As the runners would actually fling off everything before they ran. And when I say fling off everything, I mean fling off everything. They would run naked. Now, don't try this at home. Ain't nobody trying to see all that. (laughs) But they would fling off everything. And they did this so that nothing would hinder them from receiving the prize. You know, I thought about yesterday, the Boston Marathon. And you look at the Boston Marathon, you, you, you have these lean, muscular Kenyans running, and they're out front of the race, and they're waiting for the gun to go off, and then behind them is a couple skinny Americans. And think, what if next to them was this fat, flabby guy, I'm not fat shaming, calm down, making a point, this fat, flabby guy, and he's wearing a parka, all weather pants, Hiking boots. He got a 50-pound backpack on. And you'd probably say, what's up with the backpack? And he says, well, I got all the sodas in there. And I got Chips Ahoy. And I got burgers in there. And I, 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 I need to finish all these. Listen, that guy has no chance of finishing, let alone winning. Why? Because he has not, did you get it? Laid aside every weight. He's not laid aside everything that would be encumbrance that would hold him back. First one, lay aside every weight. Question. Begs the question. What's weighing you down? What's weighing you down? Okay, can I give you a little homework? You promise to do it? You promise to do it? Y'all ain't even shaking your head. Y'all. <laughs> Tough crowd. It's New Year's. Lighten up, Okay. Homework. I'm going to give it to you anyway. All right. Take your pen, take your pad, and start writing down everything that is a weight in your life. A relationship, as I said, could be holding you back from moving on with Jesus. 
could be your schedule, your calendar holding you back. There's no time for the things of God. Listen, if you have Christian, if you have no, Mr. Mrs. Christian, if you have no time for the things of God, then you're too busy. If you're too busy for God, you're too busy. You are too busy. We should never be so busy that we don't have time for God. And if you got to get up and go to work early, well, then that means you get up a little bit earlier so you can have time for God. Oh, I need more than two people to say amen. I'm not going to let you sit there for that one. I'm not going to let you sit there for that one. No time for the things of God. Your checkbook, that could be a weight. Some of y'all got too much money. Amen. I'll be happy to take that burden off your hands. I don't want you to be burdened down. I'm your pastor. I want you to run freely, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Give me your checkbook. (laughs) It can be a burden. Anything can be a weight. Going out on Saturday night and staying up too late. So then you come to church on Sunday morning and you're tired. You can't do it. You don't come to church on Sunday morning and, you, and you're half worshiping the Lord and you're half hearing and you're, you're falling out and coming back and, and falling out and your wife saying, wake up. And you're like, I don't know what he say, what he say. And you missed it. And it could have been a word for you that would have changed your life. That's why it's your responsibility to come to church and hear the word of God. It's not my responsibility to grow you as a Christian. It's my responsibility to teach the word and for you to come and be motivated and hear the word of God so that you will grow and you listen. All of these things can be weights and hindering you. You got to lighten your load. That's what I'm saying. You got to lighten your load. And you got to lay them aside. And then the Bible says, notice, look, go back to your Bible. Notice it says not only cast off every weight, but also what saints sin in the Bible days. People wore long robes and you can't run in a robe. If you try and run in a robe, you'll get all tangled and tripped up. If you're going to run in a robe, you got to pull it up and tuck it in and cast it off. In the case of sin, you got to totally get rid of it. To run the Christian race. The point is, you can't run the Christian race if you keep tripping over your sins. First Corinthians nine twenty four. write that down. Do you not know that those who run in a race run all, but only one receives a prize? So a contraction of actually two Bible verses. Doesn't make it any less true. I'm just telling you the biblical facts. Okay. It's two Bible verses. You'll find it in Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verse 11, that says the race is not to the swift, nor the battle to the strong. And then Matthew 24, 13, but he who endures to the end shall be saved. So the race is not given to the swift or the strong, but those endure to the end is actually two verses put together. Don't get me wrong. I'm just trying to correct maybe a, a, a biblical understanding misnomer, although it doesn't make it any less true. It is true. The race is not given to the fast or the slow, to the strong or the weak, but to those who endure to the end. 
And the way to endure is you need to cast off, fling aside, lay aside everything that hinders us and is besetting us or or our sins which are easily entangling us. Every sin and weight that so easily entangles and ensnares you. Think about that. Think about it. Every sin and weight. We talked about sins. We talked about weights. Weights and sins. But have you ever thought about this? Listen. Have you ever thought about the weight of sin? Talked about weights, talked about sin. Now I'm putting them together. You ever think about the weight of sin? Sin is weighty. It's heavy. It's heavy, dude. It is. Oh, I know. January 23rd, y'all know, 1982, gave my life to Jesus, right? And 23, gave my life to Jesus. On the 22nd, I didn't know the Lord. I wasn't a Christian. And sin was heavy. It felt heavy. Walking in the flesh is not easy. You think it's easy because that's all you know. But then when you give your life to Jesus and all of a sudden that weight of sin has been lifted. Where the Christians at? The weight of sin has been lifted. Am I right about it? Then you go, man, I feel so light. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.